What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So here on Grassroots Marketing, we have definitely delved into the subject of social equity and really the disenfranchisement of various cultures, creeds, races that are that we're looking for proper representation. I stress that word more and more every day. And every time we talk about when it comes to leadership, when it comes to ownership, about how important representation is to the cannabis industry and how it needs to be those who have opportunities to represent must bring in those to continue the representation going forward. And that's what happens here. So we've had various guests have been on the program. Aja Allen we had on with 64 and Hope. Uh, we had Sue Taylor with uh, Pharmacy Berkeley. Always based in California. We always see that there. Also, the same thing happens in New York. But when it comes to having... The representation and those that are looking to go ahead and be the advocates and trying to go and get their get the brands out there get those lifestyle brands get those brands that have a real cultural attachment to them it's people like my next guest that really make that possible uh, she's the founder and ceo of black dragon breakfast club a community organization focused on platforming and positioning women of color in positions of leadership and enterprise within the cannabis community and i want to welcome her right now at uh, the founder of Black Dragon Breakfast Club, a black woman-led creative agency and lifestyle brand servicing cannabis and hemp industries. I'm here with Say Hi to Abe. Thanks for being on with me. Thank you so much, Vasco. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for the fabulous introduction. I really appreciate it. It's a subject, you know, when, when we get the chance to talk about it, you know, I'm never going to say I'm the best expert for this, but I like to make sure that this subject does get the proper context. And we need to get this this conversation to continue as always. Diversity, equity, inclusion. I'm, I right. understand it. I, can, I, I agree <laughs> with it. I subscribe to it. And <laughs> when it comes down to it, you were a Philly-based, a former Philly-based labor organizer turned marketing consultant, entrepreneurial thought leader within the cannabis space and beyond. And when you were looking at discussions surrounding people of color and women of color, and their seats at the table within the cannabis industry, you were looking to share your story about how 
the Black Dragon Breakfast Club is working to accomplish that. So first of all, mm -hmm. take me through this community organization and what is the mission statement? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so we changed the perception of cannabis. Uh, and as you were describing uh, why I'm in this space and, and ultimately the problem, one of the problems facing the cannabis industry, I'm so a part of the solution that it's hard for me to sometimes step back and realize like, oh, I am the thing. I am the solution. Right. Um, because I, I chose to represent myself in this space and do the things that I do. So I sometimes get caught in these nuances. <laughs> um, but to say it as it is, I got in this space to change the perception of cannabis. And to be quite honest, it was very much tied to the perception of me. Right. And the misperceptions of me. While I'm a Philly-based organizer, I started labor organizing in Hawaii where I was able to help get a, a labor union for all of the airport staff, hospitality staff in the Honolulu International Airport. Um, I was the only black woman on this campaign. I wasn't servicing any black people, but I was servicing people of color. And so I've always been a person who is representing <laughs> black people in spaces, even growing up and in a religious space with, that's around yoga and wellness. There were no people that looked like me. And so it's also why I focus on wellness and don't talk about yoga too much because I want to make sure there's representation. So I say all this to say me existing in spaces has been about me representing myself. And so Black Dragon Breakfast Club is solving the problem in that we're creating a space where people can just really focus on their why. At the same time, they're representing a community that is often hidden, that often has narratives that are not really heard from the actual individual. Exactly. Now, I want to take one thing that I just noticed <clears throat> in here about the fact that you had done a wellness survey. Real quickly, uh, uh, what some of the things that you're working on? Talk to me about, uh, besides the conversation, what are some of the things you've done to uplift and to personify that conversation? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I all the time, all the time. So we do marketing services, right? And ultimately, that is me just helping people position themselves in front of people. And when that happens, I get these first free consultation calls from people, and I always ask, "How did you hear about Black Dragon Breakfast Club?" Well, I've been following you on the internet or a friend told me about you or I've been following you on Instagram and I just appreciate your content and how much you've been trying to change our perception and help us understand the plant more than just it being this, but helping us understand it um, as, as a lifestyle, as a culture. And so what we're what I've been able to do is we organize people around not just one interest, but multiple interests and that multiple interest meeting other people's interests. So we bring people together for wellness. Not everybody wants to do yoga. <laughs> Not everybody wants to right. do stretching. Not everybody looks like the skinny girl. Not everybody identifies themselves as a she or her. Some of it is them. And so what I try to do my best is create a, a, a space that I know I cannot meet everybody, but an open space, a space that allows people to be themselves, to be authentic as much as possible. And hopefully those people who want to be authentic are going to be in relationship with brands who want to be authentic. So we bridge those gaps. So that wellness survey that you're talking about, that came about because as we were putting on these wellness programs and, you know, finding the wellness practitioners and finding places that we can have these can of wellness programs, we also realized there wasn't much research and information just about our own experiences. And so we said, hey, let's put out a survey just so that we can learn more information. I'll be honest, 
we became an LLC in 2019. And most of my work is just researching, learning what's what works and what doesn't work. <laughs> See, <laughs> to be I quite do, honest, from a very grassroots perspective. Uh, I, I got to mention this too. When I look at, and this is obviously, it would have to be a struggle to me, I would think, because there are various you know, there, there's various group of people you are looking to represent. You're trying to recreate that conversation for, but you made a great point there. It's just about how many different areas, the spectrum of people that need to be represented and how there are some people that try to clump everybody together. Oh, well then you're just this progressive part. No, 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 no. But the thing <laughs> is for those that are trying to say they're trying to help, you know, there was a the whole talk process of performative allies. That became a term that became mm -hmm. very, poignant especially during the george floyd protests and when black lives matter really had a, a lot of headlines throughout the summer of uh 2020 or to be a mm -hmm. and so what i think is that there is this thought that some people out there they say there are they are champions for social equity but the truth is they're trying to put everybody into a group just to go ahead and satisfy a particular quotient without really offering that true representation. Do you see that's a thing right now in the industry where there are those that are, we have performative allies that are in the space. They're saying, oh, we're here, what's good for you? But, you know, are they? Is, are there actions behind those words? Yeah. I, I mean, the reality is the mind. And I think it's really hard for us to understand that the way we, we design our society is by coming in with archetypes and customer personas mm -hmm. and we try to bunch people in those as much as we can and I understand that at a black dragon club while we started I was I said it's for everybody and then I realized wait a minute there's actually a particular persona psychographics of this say hi to I think about the issue when it comes to where you bring up a great point about where I say it's like if the people are having to be clumped in oh well social equity diversity you know we have People of color, women of color, and you have to just encompass everybody without identifying and distinguishing and really just showing everyone that doesn't need to be just in one circle, one group, clumped together. And I think there are those people that are, and I call it performative allies. That was a phrase I heard a lot about, especially during Black Lives Matter protests for George Floyd and, and among the others that were out. It was during that summer of 2020. And noticing that there were people out there that said, yeah, we're here for you. But it's like, you don't know us. You don't know about, you know, the various groups you were representing or you say you're representing. So that issue of social equity and the importance of licenses, like, you know, even are the government's going to know who in particular? Like, do you know these people and where their backgrounds are? You just can't yeah. clump into one. And my question is, you know, do you see that as an issue in the cannabis industry where that performative allyship is coming into place, and it's it's a disruptive place that's not a good uh, a good thing to have, and that's why for you and Black Dragon Breakfast Club, you want to make sure to identify who you're representing. <laughs> yeah. So um, when I hear that, I just hear about um, the nonprofit industrial complex, yeah, and my work as a labor organizer and my the trauma that I've actually experienced being a black woman labor organizer on the ground and realizing that with many political and community campaigns, this is what we do anyway. 
This is how it works. Um, when it comes to media coverage and a communications plan around a, a, um, a political campaign or a social campaign, social justice campaign, that's what you do. Mm-hmm. You, you take the most marginalized person, you take the most marginalized story, and you amplify it and you repeat. That is the strategy and tactics <laughs> for social justice campaigns and political campaigns it's political in America. Kumbaya. It's political kumbaya. It's all, that's all it is. And so from a labor organizer that has been not only the voice, that person who, if you need me to be the speaker, I'm a great public speaker when it right. comes to that, again, or you need me to get on the doors and knock and do the phone banking, sure, but I'm not going to get the director position. You're not going to care about my feelings when I'm actually struggling and you don't just want me upset about the, the white man or the industrial, you know, big corpse. I, I get, I get, it's performative. And so, um... The reality is that what's happening in the cannabis industry is like any other social issue. And if you don't know anything about how nonprofits work and how campaigns work, then you don't know that this is just a reflection of what's already happening. This is why in this space, I'm so committed to organizing people around particular interests and then connecting those interests to a larger similarity, because that's how you effectively organize as a as a grassroots organizer. That's how I'm actually able to get a bunch of people who are completely different, who don't know me at all, to care about an issue, fight for the issue, and do it all for free. So if we want consumers to spend their money, (laughs) then we have to speak to them and organize them around their own personal self-interest and see them as fully individuals through our marketing campaigns, through our advertising, through our mission statements, through our staff. But I also know as an organizer, working with companies and staff, Right. That the executives don't move that way and they don't reflect the bottom. And if you know anything about corporate business, then you know what the problem is up on top. And so I say that to say, I said, I just focused on the nonprofit space, but the, the for-profit space is having a problem as well. And I do believe that when we have these conversations about the future of work and current work, and we talk about what the current issues are, and then we have them face each other, then we can think about cannabis is in the middle and cannabis is the place where we can create the resolve. Right. And that's where in corporate society, it's like, well, we need to do something for the underserved. No, 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 no. They're just underrepresented. That's it. Don't don't say, oh, they're less than lower than. No, 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 no. And then the other one. But let me just say, I got to tell you, you you said nonprofit industrial complex. That was so spot on. (laughs) Damn. I, I mean, you said that like. That's a great phrase right there. You have to keep an eye on these people. You have to be the neighborhood watch. I, I have to I have to be the neighborhood watch when I'm working. When I see an organization that says they're for progress and they use a monolith of a black woman to promote their campaign right. and they want me to pick stories from the most marginalized person so that we can amplify them so that we can get more money from our donors. And I know that that's a nonprofit space. What do you expect the for-profit is acting like? Yes. They don't have any- they're, they're, they're not doing the same head. thing. They're, they're doing just, the same thing. But they, but guess what? They get a dividend for it, and they get rewarded, <laughs> and they get a bonus. As an organizer, I don't get anything. Actually, I'm gonna get my job taken away from me if I right. do too much. Yeah. Damn. Damn. So that's the difference. So that's why when we're talking about the issues in cannabis, I I struggle. I personally struggle with like making the issue so complex because it's not. So for me, it's like, oh, do, well, do you know what's going on over here? <laughs> yeah. Because if you know what's going on over here, this cannabis industry is no different. 
Like we currently have a labor problem. We currently have a, a minimum wage problem. You think the cannabis industry is not going to repeat that? And, and I'm just taking one, you know, using one thing as an example. Um, and I know that a lot of this has to do with us being siloed in our own spaces and not realizing that there's another industry that's going through the same issues as yep. your own. And that if we actually talk about the similarities again, or even perhaps the differences, we can get to the similarities. And a lot of all of this thought comes from, I'll say my undergrad studies of ethnic studies around identity, class, race, immigration, and gender. And I see the value of knowing all of that in a context of business and how it really gives me the competitive advantage to navigate these spaces. Wow. Uh, that's, take it, it's the gospel. I, I really, I'm with you on all this. I love it. It's the, it's the right message. And it's the message that's not the most popular. I mean, obviously, you know, you are telling the truth and that truth is going to hurt some people. They're going to say, oh, no, no, it's not that way. These people are actually on our side. No, no. You have to keep everybody at bay. You know, it's uh, friends close, enemies closer. You have to be paying attention to what's going on and realize, you know, because I think there's, there's too many communities that are just getting propagandized. They don't realize that, okay, we do the same thing every year and you feel like there's people that are actually speaking for us, but, you know, how corrupted are they when they get to a position of power, a position of influence, you know, making sure that they stay grounded and that the yes. pipeline Ooh. of communications continues to be fluid from the bottom to the top. Let me just say this. You just sparked something. My first job was all I'm going to say. My first job was a labor organizing job. And I was working alongside the president of the union who represented 10,000 members in our state. Yep. He's one of the power, most powerful people. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. We're in a state that it runs by tourism and hospitality. And this person goes into every major hotel and all the staff know him. And I worked alongside him for two years, knocking on doors across the island, knocking, knocking, teaching them about their labor rights, leadership, encouraging them to do the hardest thing they'd ever done. Right. Go against their manager, their manager who they saw as an auntie and uncle. Um, and it was my first lesson in that no matter what environment you are, power corrupts, because I watched my boss, the president of the union take advantage of so much power. Obviously, fast forward, he got pushed out of the position. When I found myself in a very bad situation, I, I went to my labor organizer to help me navigate it. And I went to a couple other people and they said, we knew it already. We already know. And power does corrupt. What do you want to do? So I say at the very beginning of my organizing career, I was faced with leadership can be corrupted no matter what. And we have to hold them accountable. The same as our parents, the same as children with parents. Right. We have to hold each other accountable. Fast forward, moving to Philadelphia, I joined a startup and became the accountability coach for creatives because I saw even though you may have resources, if you don't have the accountability and the support. Yeah. To keep you using the resources, the world, our society was, is going to come at you at every way to distract you, to take you off your course. And I'm not going to blame you for being distracted. It's by design right. that you get distracted and that it's harder and that you move to a city. And if you make one mistake, it could set you back. <laughs> yeah. So we, we need the support. Exactly. And in the cannabis industry where it's one of those tenets, the, the pillars of what this industry is built on is social equity of getting people that are incarcerated or have been imprisoned to get them out because they are unlawfully incarcerated and, and imprisoned. Well, that's what we wait for legalization to go ahead and give us that answer. And unfortunately we have to go ahead and work with the likes of the federal government to see this through for financial help, 
for social yeah. equity help and all that. So we can get the license. We can get all these things to happen because this community is going to lift a lot of underdogs up. Let me lot. tell you this. My dad was deported to Ethiopia for cannabis cultivation. Okay. Yeah. And I didn't find that out until a till years into being in the cannabis industry. Jeez. And so when you talk about this, it's very deep for me on multiple levels. Mm-hmm. And my father was an immigrant, an educated immigrant that just chose the, the decision that some other white guys chose in Santa Cruz and ended up getting deported went to a federal prison in Albuquerque, New Mexico for at least 10 years. And I wasn't able to see him in person until I worked on a cannabis farm in California and made enough money to get a ticket to Ethiopia. So when you talk about the the damage that the war on drugs has done to people, meanwhile, alcohol can be rampant. And my grandmother dies of too much alcohol because our American society said it was okay, alcohol and cigarettes. So this impact and what it's done on us is so deep and heavy. I now realize when we start off this conversation, representation, you're right. It Representation in this issue is an issue. And I choose to represent this industry, even though it's hard for me to get a job. As a Black woman that's outspoken, I also choose to add cannabis to my resume. Right. Even though I know you're going to judge me, you already judge me with my name, my look, my personality, my gender. Now you're going to judge me off my preference, but I have to. Because you were going to judge me anyway. And so we have to represent this because there's a lot of people just like me. And every time I have that consultation with an entrepreneur or consumer, they keep saying, you just really spoke to me. It really could relate to you. And a lot of what I could relate to was the diversity of who you are because you're not a monolith. Yep. You know what? But I'll tell you, if you get into an interview of any kind, uh, say hi to, I'm sure you're going to just, I mean, we would just, it's just the opportunity to get noticed, to get that that opportunity to speak, to have that conversation. And once you get to go and find out, just like I have today on this interview, they're going to realize, you know what was, you know, you can't have any misperceptions. You can't have any, you know, any kind of a stereotype you put into your mind, thinking, oh, this person's going to be this. No, no, not at all, not at all. I want to ask one other question. Interesting. Uh, a few months back, I talked to. A gentleman named Darren Hickman. He's uh, Oakland based, if I remember. Uh, no, he's Baltimore, Maryland based. That's correct. And he runs a company called Afrohelios Global. His thing is, he wants to go and bring products that come from Africa, export them to America, and it, it's something where he wants to see, you know, cannabis growers, cultivators, and entrepreneurs being able to go ahead and say, "Listen, I grew this in Africa. I'm bringing it to Oakland. I'm bringing it to, you know, California." whatever it might be. What do you think about the fact of this opportunity where like the country Lesotho has now allowed legalization and other countries are also following suit in Africa for the fact that, okay, if you're not going to get the opportunities you would have here and you're waiting for those opportunities now, would African-Americans take the opportunity? Should they take that opportunity to go to Africa proper and try to make something happen where they're going to be greatly represented and they can do something where you're really distinguishing what you're doing with your product line above everyone else. Yeah, this is great. I'm glad you asked. So what I'll say is um, I have an estranged father. He's in Ethiopia, but even though he was estranged, um, he was able to give me some advice when I came back to Philadelphia, which was get an MBA. I know you like that social justice stuff, but get into the business. Um, Why? He does tourism. He does tourism in Ethiopia. He brings ambassadors. He brings um, National Geographic film companies there. 
he brings tourists, but so often he cannot, he doesn't bring as many black people because for black people often from America, it's about a certain type of um, 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 vacationing, luxury vacationing. And when it then comes to industry, it's very hard sometimes, or there's a misperception about opportunities in African countries. Mm-hmm. I say all this to say um, another reason why I try to put, I'm an Ethiopian American cannabis entrepreneur is because we need people in the diaspora yes. to number one be part of the representation here <laughs> yep and cultivate a, a base of a base and a narrative because we are leading these other countries they are watching us and so when I talk to a Habesha, an East African girl who's living in Saudi Arabia or Ethiopia, and she says, I found you and I just love what you're doing because here I can't even speak the way you speak, but I relate to what you're saying. I see that there's a bridge that we're actually able to cross, but I'm going to say globalization is a huge issue and it's not going anywhere. Right. And so how are we going to do this business? I know what the issues are in Ethiopia. And right now it's countries, people from places like China who go in and they build infrastructure to benefit them. And what we need is people who are going to go in and build infrastructure that will benefit the people there. But how right. are we going to do that is if we create some type of ge- genealogical connection, the diaspora. Yeah. And so I just ask that it not be, the rich going to be more rich in these African places, but the progressive going to be more progressive while generating revenue and building infrastructure in these countries. You have the advantage there. That's so I think it's great. So I think it's great. And I and part of why I do what I do is because my goal is to cultivate that local, that that American Ethiopian East African community that feels so empowered here that we're not afraid of the stigma and the traditional mindset Mm -hmm. of our people back in Ethiopia and we're willing to go in and be the martyrs because when I talk to my father he 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 you know it's a trip for him to think wow it's still illegal here but look at you Haitu and he just says we focus on what you're doing because we're looking to you yep we're looking to people like you so get that MBA Stay in that accelerator program. Find a way to build an American audience because it's it's the Ethiopians and the Eritreans and the East Africans and the Africans that are looking to the UK Africans to mm-hmm. lead the way and not right. lead them in a way of indentured servitude, five like right. we did five hundred years ago. Agreed. Yeah, and I, I'll tell you, uh, getting a little bit of learning about the uh, whole culture in Ethiopia. I, that's one of those things I have never tried the chance to try the food, but I heard it's amazing. I'm going to do it one of these days. Got to get my hands dirty into it. Got to have it one of these days. And I'm just going to say, um, I think I did. I actually know about that company and I may have actually even did a consultation to do marketing for them. Oh, it was great. But, <laughs> but I will say VR is one way we can start to get into some of these communities. And there's so much opportunity um, in places like Ethiopia where the land is extremely, extremely rich and perceptions can change. They can quickly change. It's just a matter of getting the, we just need to get the funding so we can come up with those campaigns and those stories to connect with folks in those different countries so that they can see it's not bad. And if anybody who's listening, look into Thailand and Cannabis sandboxes. Interesting. I haven't heard so basi- that one before. So basically, think about your entire country does not accept cannabis, but but you want to. And so dealing with the misperceptions and the legalities of certain areas, you can go into one part of the country and, and it's cannabis free. But you can't. But going out of that, that you can't. Yeah. Yeah. So 
So they're thinking about that type of model, but I do see that as limiting the the revenue, limiting limiting the benefits that a community can can access from having cannabis in their country. So you know, there's a lot to talk about there. Yeah. Well, and I mentioned at the time when I when I spoke to Darren uh, about how so Uganda and Zimbabwe there's been growing interest. I remember it was Malawi uh, relaxing laws uh, a couple of years ago, Zambia legalizing for for export, and Lesotho was the first to legalize altogether. Yeah. And the opportunities for the Ministry of Health there, if you want, you now can cultivate, process, package, export. They're giving you all that you need to go ahead and start there if you want. And other countries are doing the same thing. They're going to follow suit. Yeah. Say hi to This is a wonderful conversation. I really enjoyed this. And... I love where you're going with it. Your direction's great. Black Dragon Breakfast Club. Please follow this young lady because she is making great work. So again, let's go ahead and send people to the website, shopblackdragons.com. And yes. shopblackdragons.com. And real quickly for those, how can they continue to be involved with what you're doing? How can they be a part of the conversation with you? Yeah, well, we are constantly doing um, surveys and, and requesting information, and I'd love for you all to share your story. Your experience and your story is extremely valuable. Please, please, please. So go to our website, shopblackdragons.com, and then tap onto the dragon quiz. Take the dragon quiz to find out what type of dragon you are and also share with us your cannabis experience. That could be something about the medicinal impact. That could be something funny. That could also be something about your business but we want to really know about your journey in cannabis also participate in the cannabis wellness survey that's up on there and you can also schedule a free 15-minute consultation with say hi to and you already know that you want to so shop (laughs) blackdragons.com black dragon breakfast club Uh, say hi to abe thank you so much for being on with me it's such a delight to talk to you and i hope we get to continue this conversation again thank you it's been wonderful i appreciate it brasco when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.